Chapter 16 Well, this is more than slightly insane, Marco said. It was later that same day, Sunday evening. We were all gathered around the skunk's den. We're going to raise little stinky skunk babies? What's so insane about that? Rachel asked sharply. Good old Rachel. She thought it was ridiculous too. But she's my best friend and always backs me up. They're skunks. Marco said, looking from Rachel to Jake to Axe, like he was the only normal person in a mental ward. They're cute, Rachel said, glaring at Marco and generally looking like a girl who never used the word cute. Ah, I see. Cute. Well, that certainly explains everything. Jake cut in. Cassie can't take them to the clinic or they may get used to humans. They're young. They'll imprint. So we are taking care of these... these skunks until Mommy Skunk can come back from the hospital. Are skunks a sacred animal to humans? Axe asked. All animals are sacred to Cassie, Marco said. She's Dr. Doolittle and that animal guy who comes on Letterman all rolled into one. But you eat some animals, Axe pointed out. Cows, pigs, sheep, dogs. We don't eat dogs, I said. In some countries, they do. I read it in the World Almanac. We had given Axe a World Almanac to help him learn about Earth. Ever since then, he'd become an expert on useless information. He could tell you the per capita income of Tanzania, or the long jump record at the Olympics. Well, we don't eat dog in this country, Rachel said. Do you eat cats? Um, excuse me? Jake interrupted. He rubbed the bridge of his nose. He was obviously getting a headache. I could understand why. Look, here's the deal. We are about 300 yards from the edge of the York logging compound. They have sensors. They have guards. Tobias is up top keeping an eye out, so we're safe for now. But we can't get careless. Cassie, tell them what we want to do. Okay, while we're in school tomorrow and the next day, Axe and Tobias will protect the den. Axe will morph the mother skunk from time to time. Tobias will patrol from above. I'll bring Tobias frozen food so he doesn't have to hunt during that time. Ooh, lean cuisine, frozen mouse entrees, Marco teased. I heard that, Tobias said from somewhere up above the treetops. I know, Marco said, grinning smugly. Then, after school and through the night, the rest of us will work shifts. I'll do most of the skunk morphing, but in between times we'll have to have Jake and Rachel and Marco to help keep up a patrol. Marco held up his hand. Yes, Marco? I asked. Do we get some Save the Skunks t-shirts and bumper stickers? No one has to do this, I said. Look, I know it seems stupid. Nah, it's not stupid, Marco said. Let's see, I'm behind in my homework. My dad thinks I've joined a gang because I'm never around. I don't sleep much because every time I try, I'm suddenly a termite again and I wake up screaming. I never get to just sit around and watch TV. And, in my spare time, I have to help figure out how we're going to keep the Yurks from turning some guy named Ferrand into a controller, 
so that they can wipe out the forest and hunt down the bird boy and the universe's only almanac-reading Andalite. I mean, I knew the middle school years would be tough, but this is a little much. Jake gave Marco a long, skeptical look. So, in other words, you'll be glad to help. For once, it was Jake who made everyone laugh. Even Marco. Marco shrugged. You know, it's kind of a relief finding out Cassie is crazy. We know Rachel's nuts. We know I'm crazy. Cassie's been the only sane one for so long. Welcome to the loony bin, Cassie. Save the skunks. Hug the trees. Let dogs vote. The others all laughed. I laughed a little too. Marco always made fun of my being an environmentalist. Usually it was okay, because I knew what I believed in. But now his humor cut just a little deeper. I wasn't saving the whales, or the panda, or the spotted owl. I was saving a handful of skunks. There were plenty of skunks in the world. They weren't exactly endangered. It all went back to the termite queen. A bug. I had killed a bug, and for some reason, that had shaken my deepest faith. Maybe Marco is right. Maybe I was crazy. Chapter 17 Over the next two days, we protected and nurtured a foursome of baby skunks. And as impossible as it seems, it worked. More or less. Maybe I'm kidding myself, but I think the others started to enjoy it too. Typically, it was Marco who decided after his first shift guarding the skunks that the kits needed names. Joey, Johnny, Marky, and CJ, he announced, like it was obvious. The Ramones, the godfathers of punk rock. They would be honored. The one with the white stripe that kind of goes really wide? That's Joey. Now Johnny. At first, I was the only one to morph the skunk mother. Then Axe did it. Then the others, one by one. I almost felt jealous. Right after school, three days later, I went to the skunk burrow and found Tobias flying cover above the burrow. Hi, Cassie. How's it going, Tobias? Well, we had a little excitement. A hungry badger stopped by to check things out, but I chased him off. So the kids are all right? There are still four of them, if that's what you mean, Tobias answered. But they won't stay inside. They keep coming out and looking around. Especially Marky. This isn't good, especially if they do it at night. I morphed into the skunk mother and crawled inside the den. Tobias was right. The kids were restless. They were growing fast, and they instinctively wanted to go out into the great big world beyond the burrow. I think I'm going to take them for a walk, I told Tobias. Is that a good idea? Sure, why not? You should take a break. Stretch your wings. Tobias was relieved to have an excuse to take off, but as soon as he was gone, I started to have doubts about my brilliant idea of taking the kids out for a stroll. How could I keep track of them? What if they wandered off? But then, while I was debating, Marky made a wild dash outside and I had to scamper to catch up to him. As soon as I appeared though, the kid went meekly to stand behind me. One by one, the other three babies came out, and to my amazement, they lined up like obedient first graders. Okay, I said, although of course the kids couldn't understand me. Let's take a walk. I waddled slowly away, took about ten steps, then turned to look back over my shoulder. The four of them were all lined up behind me. I was their mother, as far as they knew, and they were programmed to follow their mother. 
I waddled off, feeling a little strange, but happy. We walked that way for half an hour. We paused to sniff things from time to time. Various animal scents, mostly. And then I realized something. We weren't supposed to just be going for a stroll. The kids were hungry. I was their mother. And it was my job to provide for them. If I didn't teach them to catch bugs, they wouldn't survive. Skunks eat some plants, but they also eat crickets and mantises and grasshoppers and even shrews and mice. I stopped walking and looked back at my kits. Four almost identical little balls of black and white fuzz. Four curious little faces watching me, waiting to see what I was doing, eager to learn. I'd been feeding them thawed frozen grasshoppers and thawed mice I'd brought from the clinic, just as I'd been giving Tobias food since he was too busy to hunt properly. But these skunk kits couldn't be fed by humans all their lives. Suddenly, a crashing sound. Something rushing through the woods, careless, wild, noisy, and coming right toward us. I started to lead the kits back to the burrow, but the noise was getting closer. It was coming too quick. I tried to smell what it was, but the breeze was blowing the wrong way. Then, a dog. A wolf would have known better. A wolf would have seen the black and white fur and decided he had an appointment somewhere else. A bear would have known. Just about any wild animal knew better than to annoy an adult skunk. But this big happy dog was not wild. He lived with humans. He knew absolutely nothing about skunks. Without even thinking, I turned my back to the dog. I raised my tail in warning. The dog kept coming. Jewel was dribbling from one side of his mouth, and his tongue was hanging out the other side, and he was having about as good a time as a dog could have. He was in the woods, and he had a bunch of little black animals to play with. The kids were still lined up. They were watching me intently. It almost made me want to laugh, if I could have. It was a big moment for them. They were about to learn why no sensible animal picked on adult skunks. I had no experience in spraying, but the skunk mind within my own knew exactly what it was it had to do. I aimed. I looked over my shoulder to judge the distance. I targeted that dog's face, and I fired. Just at the instant when I fired, I had the strange sensation that I knew this dog from somewhere. But it was too late by then. Way too late. At a distance of ten feet, the spray hit with the accuracy of a laser-guided smart missile. The dog stopped dead in his tracks. The look in his eyes was sheer horror. How could it be? How could the little black and white creature have done this to him? And then I heard something that made me feel really bad. Homer? What's the matter, boy? Jake asked. Oh. Oh! Homer, I told you not to follow me into the woods. Homer whined pitifully. Jake, Marco, Rachel, and Axe all came up at a run. Marco was already laughing. You hosed Homer! Marco giggled. Cassie sprayed Homer! Wait, that is Cassie, right? I seriously considered pretending to be some other skunk. Sorry, Jake, I said. Man, that is nasty, Rachel commented. No offense, Cassie, but I mean, gag. Ugh, ugh. Fascinating, Axe said. That is possibly the worst thing I have ever smelled. Homer tried to nuzzle up to Jake, but as much as Jake loves his dog, he was not going for it. I don't think so, big guy. I told you to stay home. 
But oh no, Homer, you have to come with me. Now go home. Home, boy. Homer decided home might be a better place than the forest after all. He trotted off, tail between his legs. I believe the smell is causing me to become deranged, Axe said calmly. I may have to run away in panic. Take me with you, Marco muttered. Well, this is perfect, Jake said. Wonderful. My parents are going to so appreciate it when Homer gets back to the house, reeking of skunk. Man, let's move away from this spot, okay? I mean, jeez, that's just awful. We moved away from the scene of the stink, back toward the den. I led the kids inside, where they seemed happy to curl up and sleep. It had been an exciting outing for them. I went back outside and demorphed. Homer will be okay if you bathe him in tomato juice and leave him outside for a few days, I said to Jake. Sorry. Not as sorry as Homer is, Jake said. But we have bigger problems. Look, Cassie, we came to find you and Tobias. That guy, Ferrand? Axe and Marco tapped into the your computer at the logging camp. Yeah, Marco grinned. The Axe man knows his way around computers. Yeah, well, we found out something. Ferrand isn't coming this weekend. He's coming early. He's coming to cast the final vote on the logging in the forest. In fact, he'll be here in about an hour. We have an hour to make plans and get ready. Jake said. One hour. Less, since we have to get into position. Okay, what do we know? Marco asked. We know this foreign guy is the one who makes the final decision on the Yurks going forward. We know he's not a controller, or he would have already voted to let the logging begin. We know the Yurks won't leave it to chance, Rachel said. He's coming here to the site. They'll be ready to do an involuntary infestation. They have some slugs sitting in a vat right now, waiting to crawl into the man's ear. They may just try to persuade this human, Axe suggested. They prefer voluntary infestations, and if they can get this human to give them his vote, they may simply let him go. So what do we do? Attack? Rachel asked. Just storm in and mess everything up? Hey! Shh! Tobias said. What? Rachel asked him. Don't you guys hear that? Even human ears should hear that. We all listened very intently. Then it came, carried on the breeze, the sound of diesel engines. Probably just our friends, the Yurks, moving their heavy equipment around, putting it in nice, neat rows for the commissioner, Jake said. But then he thought it over and added, Tobias, you mind going up to take a look? Tobias flapped his wings and soared above the treetops and out of sight. Okay, back to business, Jake said. One way or the other, this far-on guy is the key. If he votes yes, the Yurks can log in this forest. If he votes no, they can't. Not without attracting way too much attention. Assuming they let Farrand live long enough to vote no, Rachel said. That's our job then, I suggested. We have to keep Farrand alive and keep them from making him a controller. Everyone nodded. Too bad I have no idea how to do that, I admitted. Just then, Tobias came rocketing down out of the sky. They've already started! He yelled as he shot past to land on a branch. Started what? I asked. The Yurks! They've started cutting trees! And they're coming this way! Well, Jake said, I guess that settles the question of whether the Yurks are going to infest this guy. They don't care what this guy sees when he gets here, 
Rachel said. They don't care about convincing him. The poor man already has a yerk slug with his name on it. You wouldn't believe how fast those machines can rip through trees, Tobias said, obviously shaken up. They're cutting trees like a farmer cuts wheat. And we have one of your hours to help this commissioner, Axe said. Then he focused his two stock eyes on the skunk burrow. The small ones are right in the path of the loggers, if Tobias is correct. I expected Marku to make some snide remark about how no one cared about the skunks at a time like this. But to my amazement, he said, Hey, no one messes with the skunks. Those skunks are under official animal protection. He winked at me and gave me a mocking clenched fit salute. Save the skunks, Earth Sister! Marco is such a pain in the butt, but just when you think he's going to drive you crazy, he'll come through big time for you. Yeah, those are our skunks, Rachel said. No one messes with our skunks. Excuse me, hello? Jake interrupted. A plan? A plan, please? Well, I began. What? Jake asked me. I shrugged. If Ferranda's the key, we need to grab the key, right? Chances are they'll have to turn off the force field in order to get him into the camp. That's when we get him away from the Yurks, no matter what it takes. Grab Ferrand, Marco said. Simple, elegant, and yet, given the Yurk power and that compound of theirs, completely suicidal. I'm surprised at you, Cassie. Usually Rachel's the one to come up with a totally suicidal plan. You have a better idea? Jake asked Marco. We could go home and watch TV. I'll take that as a no. Jake rubbed his hands together. Okay then. We snatch this Ferran guy as soon as he shows up. In the meantime, we have to slow down those tree-cutting machines. Rachel grinned. Cool. I felt sick. Hello, Phantomorphs, and welcome back to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Thank you for listening to another episode. I'm sorry they've been a little on the shorter side uh, these past couple of weeks, partly because, you know, holiday time, I'm just trying to get something out, and partly because we are nearing the end of the book, and I actually remembered to look ahead and divide the chapters up evenly, so... Uh, that we can have, you know, maybe three or so 16 to 18 minute episodes instead of having, you know, like two 25 minute episodes and then one episode that's like 10 minutes long. This way it's it's a little more even all the way through. Uh, only other thing I have is I got a new review from King Sora 354 titled Super Great. I've been dying to reread the series and having someone read it like this makes my workday go by so much faster. I like the voices he does for each character, even if they're a little silly sometimes. It's also way cool that Daniel does this all by himself, with directing, voice editing, voicing, editing, etc. And still, excuse me, and it still comes out really good every time. Thanks so much, King Sora. Yeah, I don't have actually like a super great vocal range, so I gotta sometimes get a little silly with the voices, because there's a lot of characters and just one me. So I try my best and I appreciate the review. Thank you so much. If you, like King Sora, want to leave me a review, you can do that by just hopping on iTunes and clicking that review button. I think that's how iTunes works. I'm going to be honest, I don't actually use iTunes myself. Um, 
But yeah, if uh, the spirit does move you, go ahead and leave me a review and a rating on iTunes. I'd really appreciate that. Or you could tell a friend about this if you think they'd be interested in listening to A Man Read Animorphs. Other than that, if you'd like to reach me uh, about this podcast or, you know, just about life in general, it doesn't have to be about Animorphs. You can just tell me how you're doing. You can do that at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Okay, that is all I have for you this week. I will see you again next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. We fight.